Okay, everybody expects us to have an anime podcast. Michael Peters, Justin Charity, at long last, are they podcasting once again about anime? No. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Honestly, this podcast might turn out to be like the Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence movie Life, except neither of us is in prison, and in fact, we're not even taping in the same location. But we will be talking a lot about the millennial life. You know, music, video games, strange stuff from the dark corners of the internet that piques our interest. People think this is going to be, oh, a little topic A, oh, what's topic B, oh, a little, you know, chit-chat. No. Every time you tune into this podcast, we are going to lock you into a room for 45 minutes, and we are going to do criticism. We are going to get to the bottom of every Scooby-Doo mystery that the discourse produces for us each week. Mark my words. Man, that was that was a lot. But anyway, we are excited about it. We are excited. We're excited. We're super excited. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. And this is Sound Only. We're back on August 11th. Catch us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Let's go. All right. On three. One, two, three. Jesus Christ, they're shooting men! Sit down, Dick. They're trying to open up the safe. Now you're made. But you on cue? You ain't cute no more. See how scared you are? Don't you get tired of this shit? What the fuck you want from me? Nothing. Jason Concepcion, and welcome to the Connect, a podcast series about movie intersections hosted by myself and multiple time New York Times bestselling author, (laughs) Shea Serrano. Let's go, baby. In this podcast, we talk about movies, one picked by me, one picked by Shea, and the themes and details that connect them. Today, it's, oh man, why'd you do that? A career bank robber (laughs) falls hard for a federal agent and four friends in New York City have a falling out when one gets addicted to the power of the gun. It's 1998's Out of Sight and 1992's Juice. Out of Sight, 1998, directed by Steven Soderbergh, adapted from the novel by Elmore Leonard, starring really just like an unbelievable cast. Crazy cast. Jennifer Lopez in what I think is her... Greatest role. Bang. Don, it's fine. I mean, it's arguable, certainly. It's not arguable. Steve's on in what I think is his greatest role. Bang. You could say, what are you going to say? Uh, Saving Silverman. Well. No, is he in that movie? I'm just guessing. I can't remember. That thing you do. Yeah, but he's. Yeah, I right, know he's, he's in that he's, one. He's okay in that, though. Steve's on. <laughs> Catherine Keener. Albert Brooks. A cameo from Viola Davis. A cameo from Samuel L. Jackson. Just a great, great, great cast. I saw this movie, as I've mentioned, on this pod and others. In 1997 and 1998, I worked in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. I saw every movie that came out in those years. Out of Sight is one of the movies that I saw in the theater during that time. And I remember just being like, wow, this has everything that I want in a movie. It's got a little heist. It's got some romance. It's got some crime. It's got some action. It's got a lot of laughs. 
I loved it. I love the soundtrack too. It's got that really kind of like jazz funk soundtrack that I that I uh, really like. This to me is like George Clooney at his handsomest. Absolute handsomest. <laughs> Just looking great in a suit. This is like when Soderbergh cast Clooney in this, he's like, let's get Clooney in a suit again and get him heisting again. Next thing you know, we've got Ocean's Eleven. Just a, just a really, really fun movie. One of my favorite movies from the time that I spent working in a movie theater. When you worked at the movie theater, what was your job there? What were you doing? Everybody did every job there. You did every job. My job, here's what we did do. We embezzled <laughs> money. I'll admit to crimes right now. You want to talk crimes? I'll, t- I'll tell you about crimes. Let's go. Let's talk about crimes. One of the, so one of the things that allegedly. we did at this movie theater, allegedly, I heard. <laughs> I heard about this scam that they had. Now, what would happen was we were making, you know, minimum wage. I mean, and th- and it was like whatever, $7 an hour. It was pitiful at that time. The ticket taker would take the ticket. And what you're supposed to do is tear it, right? There's, so there's one side. There's two sides. So you tear one and you give it back to the person. The ticket taker would just take the entire ticket. Then those would get rerouted back to the box office where people are buying tickets and we'd resell them. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so you just sell that ticket again. That money is then just free and clear money and everybody would split it at the end of the day. It was the difference between like not making any money and making a little bit more money. (laughs) Just free free and clear money. This is allegedly what happened. I wonder if everybody steals from their first minimum wage job. I can feel like you, that's got to be part of it. That has to be well, part of it. Well, funnily enough, I got fired from a job, uh, another <laughs> minimum wage job working at a at a convenience store, which I did not steal from. I was just about this to say- This job I, th- I did steal from, <laughs> and I did not get fired for it. Allegedly, I, I stole I think I think the, uh, the burrito story, we're getting more and more clarification here. I think this is proof. Proof positive that Jason Concepcion, teenage Jason Concepcion, was stealing burritos at the time. No. If he would steal a ticket, absolutely, he would not. steal. It was not a- again. Let me just say this for the record: that okay. place was wired up. That place had a million cameras all <laughs> okay. over it. You make it sound like you're you're working in a fucking bank vault. You were like at Seven <laughs> Eleven. Show me on the video where I'm taking a burrito out of the out of the fridge and eating it. Show me. I'm innocent. I disagree. I think you did it. I think I, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight this case forever. The, the, I remember the first the first minimum wage job I had where we allegedly stole money, uh, but definitely did steal money. Was <laughs> I worked I worked at Chuck E. Cheese in the game room. Oh man, I love a Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese. I was the game room attendant, so I had like the key to open up all of the machines and just help fix the tickets or whatever. You couldn't access any of the tokens because the tokens would always you put a token in and it would fall down into like a little box and you couldn't open it. Only the managers had the keys to that one. But there was a machine, uh, one of the games where it's like a picture of bubble and there's like a row of lights in there and the light oh, yeah. goes around and you try to hit the buzzer and stop I it right in front one. of you. Okay, so on that machine, I think there are three like players that can be working at the same time. All three of those coin f- things fed into like one big box. And with that one, <laughs> if you took the if you took the the little coin ramps out, yeah. I could put my hand in there and grab all the tokens. So what I started doing is grabbing all the tokens, putting them in a little cup. And then I would like approach the parents a dad usually, and be like, hey, look, you can keep buying five tokens for a dollar. 
or I can give you this whole fucking cup of coins and you give me $5. And that's what I was doing because the minimum wage in Texas at the time was like four something. And then also the first like three months you worked at Chuck E. Cheese, they had you on what they were calling like a probationary rate. And it was like, they just took a dollar off immediately. It was like three something. I was like, there's no way I'm not stealing. Let me tell you there's something. No Charles way. Entertainment Cheese <laughs> is an absolute <laughs> scammer. The rat tycoon himself. He's a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Out of sight for me, if I arrange all of the movies I've seen into like neat and tidy categories, for example, there's a bunch of movies that I made sure that I went and watched like the day they were released. Those are my first day movies. Or there are like movies that I didn't watch until they went to Netflix or Hulu. Those are my streaming movies. Or there are like a bunch of movies that I made sure to watch. If I heard Sean Finnessy say they were bad, because if Sean says that a movie's bad, that almost always means I'm going to love it. Like, <laughs> like, like Charlie, like Charlie Hunnam in King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Fucking incredible movie. I love, I love this movie. My fantasy movies, without of sight, the little category it belongs in is what yeah. I would probably call like retrograde consumption. And that's the category where I'm like watching a movie, somebody gives a really good performance in the movie. And so then I feel compelled to go back and like binge watch a bunch of their other movies, like all in a row. And in this particular case, it was Jennifer Lopez. This was like in early 2018. Uh, I'd seen bits and parts of Out of Sight before then. I'd never sat down and watched the the whole thing, but I was rewatching Selena because I was writing about it for the movie yeah. book. And Jennifer Lopez is that's her greatest role. That's yeah, the number. That's, num- that's, that's the number that's one. That's probably correct. Steve, can I get some like applause here when Jennifer Lopez and Selena? That's that's her number one role. So I watched that and I was like, oh man, I, I, I forgot how good she was in this stuff. Let me go back and rewatch all of her stuff. And that's how I ended up watching Out of Sight. She's just fantastic in that. Just obviously a star. I think people forget. Maybe they, they have been reminded now because of Hustlers. But, you know, she had that long period of pop stardom and as kind of like a celeb news standby with her various relationships. I think that people forget just like what a really, really, really good actress she is. She's yeah, she's very good. Really good. A lot of different weapons that she can like pull out. And she uses several of them. And this one, she's my favorite part of this movie. I do like Clooney in this. I like this version of Clooney because this is before like he changed his teeth. This is like original <laughs> teeth Clooney. So you can original see it when- OT. Oh, this is OT Clooney. OT Clooney. <laughs> I, 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 do, I do like that part of him, but I think she's the best part of this movie. Like if I have to pick one for sure. Yeah, I, this is, was my introduction to Don Cheadle. And I remember just being like, oh man, Don Cheadle. This Incredible. guy is great. This guy is a star. One of the coolest people like on the planet. At any yes. at at any given moment, if you make a list, he's got to be in the top 5. Don Cheadle. I, he super, just has a super thing. Super cool guy. It doesn't matter what he's doing or what he's saying or how he's doing it or how he's saying it. Don Cheadle comes on the street and you're like, "Oh shit, I need to pay attention to whatever this guy is." Tell us about Juice. Juice was 1992. Juice stars Omar Epps. As Q, Tupac Shakur as Bishop, Khalil Kane as Raheem, and Jermaine Hopkins as Steel. Four longtime friends in Harlem who you mentioned they have like a falling. What did you say? What was the phrase that you used? A, a right falling there? out, which <laughs> is a little, out. it's kind of underselling under- it. <laughs> <laughs> a guy goes crazy and tries to kill all of them. One of them yeah. that took a little more than a falling out. Tupac. Uh, in this movie, outstanding. He ends up peer pressuring the group into robbing a convenience store. And then while they're doing it, 
he shoots and kills the cashier, and then everything goes sideways after that. He shoots and kills the leader of the group, Rahim, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. It's really, really good, really well-written, really well-acted. It made instant stars out of Omar Epps and Tupac, the two leads in the movie. Juice was such a huge movie in my life. I was in middle school when I saw it. I, we didn't see it at the theater. We like rented it and uh, sat down and watched it that way. And I was just so totally and completely transfixed by it. I was watching these four just young, cool, exciting actors doing things that that I felt like that weren't that far away from situations my friends and I could have found ourselves in growing up where we did in San Antonio. Middle school is really that time when you start to pull away from your parents. You start to find your own stuff, your own movies, your own music, your own hobbies. And Juice caught me right at the start of that period. I think that's why I'm always just going to have like a great fondness for it in my heart. I just remember watching it and being like, this is fucking perfect. This is, I've never seen anything like this. I love this. What is this? That was my introduction to Tupac. I think I saw, I did not see this movie in the theater. I saw it, I think on HBO or whatever mm-hmm. cable channel was like playing it at the time. You know, I was living in New York at the time on Long Island. And this is like a stage in my life where I used to love to go to the city as soon as I could, like, as soon as I was old enough to be like, I'm going for the day to take the train into the city, I would do it. It's so like Long Island, at least the, the area that I was in, super white area. I, <clears throat> as a kid, grew up in Queens, but then we moved out there and it was, and after that, I just always wanted to be back. So the thing about Juice that I loved is just how you really feel the setting. There's that great opening that's like, it's really almost like structureless Robert Altman-esque kind of like rambling opening where it's like a collection of scenes and where you're just hanging out with these like four friends and just doing all the stuff that they do. There's almost, it's not to say it's pointless, but they're just establishing like what the daily routine of these young guys is and what their family life is like, the things that they're going through, what it's like, their chemistry together, the way they love to cut class. The other thing this reminded me of is truancy cops. Did you guys have truancy cops? We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. (laughs) Truancy cops, that was a real thing. I remember so cutting, like, especially once you got like late, it's like junior, senior year in high school, cutting class and going to the city was like kind of a thing. And we would do the same exact thing. We'd go to like some arcade, like around Times Square, because we didn't know where to go. And Truancy cops would absolutely troll those places looking for kids doing exactly that. And I remember one of the times that I didn't go, they rounded up like four kids from from my high school and (laughs) took them in and they got in buku trouble because they got caught by the truancy police. I remember when I first found out about the truancy police, I was like, that can't, is that really a thing? There's just like Mm -hmm. cops that look for kids all day? How wild. The thing you mentioned about the beginning of this movie, that's like a thing that jumps out to me when you when I'm re-watching it. It's just yeah. like really smart character building. Because by yeah. the time we get to the end of the credits, we understand sort of what sort of households all of these kids come from. And then that will inform all of the rest of the decisions that they make for the entire movie. Yes. Like it, everything that each one of these characters does makes absolute sense when you look at like, oh, like what did they show us in the very beginning of the movie? Oh, that's why Omar Epps responded this way. Right, that's why Bishop is so sensitive about his home stuff. Yeah. It's, it's outstanding. Tupac, it's almost unbelievable how good he is in this role. Even just re-watching it now, like, oh, you know, 
20 years later or whatever it is, 30 years later, he's manic and he's totally, even in his calmest moments, you're kind of just like waiting for him to explode. You know, it's coming. There's like a rare level of intimidation in movies that some actors can get to. Usually when an actor gives a really good intimidation performance, they get to that level where you're, you're scared of them, but also like a part of you kind of wants to hang out with them. Like Robert De Niro in Goodfellas is yeah. like a, a good example. Like he's intimidating, but not so intimidating that like you wouldn't answer the phone if he called you. Right. But the level past that one is when an actor is so good in a role that they're intimidating with an intensity that is that is overwhelming. And you would happily watch this character in a movie that was 10 hours long, but you would never ever consider hanging out with this person for one single second in real life. And like, if we stick with De Niro, like that's De Niro in Cape Fear. And that's where right. Tupac is uh, operating at uh, in, in Juice. Like, it's incredible. I love Omar Epps dearly. Oh, he's so good. One, one of my favorites. But when Tupac is on the screen, he might as well be alone. Like, you can't look at anyone else. He makes it impossible. Yeah, the thing about Tupac in this is there's like a level of energy, manic energy, to use your word, that he comes with. And just when you think he can't really get any more intense, he gets more intense. Like you yeah. totally have to buy that these lifelong friends that you just spent the first 10, 12 minutes of the movie with hanging out, watching them bust on each other, watching them support each other, wait for each other is like, you know, one mm -hmm. of them has to cut school to, to meet up with the rest of them. Just watching the bond that they have, you have to totally buy that as soon as Bishop gets that gun in his hand, he just trips with the power to the extent that he could shoot one of his closest friends and then immediately be like, well, he shouldn't have done that. Yeah. You know he shouldn't have done that. And you have to buy it. And, tu and Tupac sells it. Absolutely sells it. To clarify, the theme of our, of our podcast today is, oh, man, why'd you do that? And in the, in the movie Juice, that moment you mentioned right there is the exact moment when you say that. When he shoots Raheem, like you can kind of understand why he shoots the cashier. I, you, sort of. I, I kind of get it. Oh, he made a move. I had to, whatever. He was scared. He was, he was jacked up. You know, like he was he, jumping. Yeah. But when yeah. he shoots Raheem and you're just like, we just watched Raheem basically save his life when he prevented yeah. him from going in the bar earlier. And he does this and you, that's exactly what I said. Oh man, why did you do that? And then it just, there's no recovering from that. There's no way this movie can end in a good spot after that moment. Yeah, Out of Sight has so many why'd you do that moments. <laughs> There's uh, Jack robbing the bank, Jack calling Karen, Karen answering the phone, Jack and Karen having a relationship at all, Dick the Ripper telling Snoop about his <laughs> diamonds, which was why would you do that? Uh, Jack telling uh, Chino about Adele, Chino going to see Adele, everybody in, the, in Out of Sight makes some sort of <laughs> terrible mistake that if they thought for a second, they just would not do. But that's what makes the entire movie is it's the cast of characters making the worst decisions. So with, uh, with Juice, at the end of Juice, Rahim is dead. Tupac is dead. Tupac has murdered several people. Steele is recovering in the hospital. Q makes it out. But what do you think those, like, those next two weeks look like for Q? They're going to jail, right? They're going to prison. Q and Steele, they have to be going to prison. Maybe there's a way that they can pin it all on Bishop, which is legit, but I guess except for the store thing. That's the one that I think trips them up. But they'll get out. I think, I think that on the street, as we saw at the end, Q is going to have 
experience like a level of respect on the street that he's going to reject and just find really painful and in fact like terrible to have this respect on the street because of the tragedies that have happened but i think 100% they will as soon as they get on the grocery store case they will go away for a while that part is to me probably the most terrifying just because i have now two of my sons the, the twins are 13 years old so if the the guys in this movie they can't be they're 17 maybe 18 years old they're like in high they're still high school students uh so my kids are a couple of years away from that and that's what's like really scary to me is is like i don't know maybe this maybe this happened with you jason maybe it didn't but maybe allegedly one of your friends one time with the, like the most biggest energy in the group had like talked everybody into breaking into a house in the neighborhood. Maybe that happened with you and maybe it didn't. And maybe you went in there and you did whatever it was that you do when you break into a house and then you left. And like that sort of stuff, it to me is easy to see some kids getting into that, but talking somebody into, into like robbing a store and then like all of a sudden there's a, a murder and now you're talking about the whole rest of your life is just gone. Like there's no, there's no coming back from it. I'm terrified of, of stuff like that. Yeah, it's really, it is really scary. That that juice really captures to a time in New York City where it was like things were getting better clearly, but also there was this real demonization. And I think the movie captures it well. There was this real stigma about young black kids hanging out. It was just like a, people were afraid of them because of like the Central Park jogger case in which, a, you know, five kids were basically railroaded for crime they did not commit. There was just like, uh, you know, at least where I lived in Long Island, a lot of those people were people who were like scared of the city for various reasons and were like left. I remember I had a high school teacher that would like, whenever the subject of like New York City would come up, he'd like make some weird like crime comment. And that's, that's part of the reason why I loved going to the city and just realizing how not what everybody says it was. Like this is a place where people live and go to work and go to school and it's just people living their lives. And it really captures a moment in time for, for New York City when things were changing, but were still viewed as like really dangerous. Before we get to the categories, can I, can I give you my, my, my five things of a thing, my list that I have to give you? Please. I'm going to give it to you right now. We have spent a great deal of time talking about Tupac and I'm going to spend even more time talking about Tupac later on. So let me uh, shift away from that. My five things of a thing for this one. This is these are Omar Epps' five best movie performances wow. in, the, in, in the in the 90s because he has a stretch here where he is in some of my all time favorite movies. Number five, incredible performance, very underrated. People don't talk about this enough. 1994, Major League Two comes in and replaces Wesley as Willie as Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> He's the only guy you could have brought in to like take over this role. I I love him. And this, I love how he's very clearly a talented actor, but he is not afraid to just like be very, very silly and be serious in the silly list. Like there's a one part where he has filmed a, an action movie and he's showing the trailer to his buddies and he's just very proud of it. And it's just the dumbest thing. But I love that. That's his fifth best movie performance in, in the 90s. Number four, The Program in 1993. Yes. Do you love The Program, Jason? I love The Program. Great movie. Yeah, just just outstanding. Um, the Wood in 1999, that's his number three performance. Number two, we have to have it, Higher Learning in 1995, just fucking incredible. I know what number one is. 
You have you have to know it. Number one, I hope that at this point people are saying they're screaming love in basketball yes. at, the, <laughs> at the thing. But but it didn't make the list because it came out in two thousand. And I'm just oh. talking about the nineties. I'm just talking about the nineties. Okay, number okay. one, all number right, one, all right. his best performance. Just uh, announcing himself as like a true and real movie star. He should have had. Uh, he should have had an action franchise. He should have had whatever he wanted. A uh, juice. Nineteen ninety two. Just. What an outstanding intro. Let's do the categories. Should we do the categories? Let's, get, let's, let's the get into our categories. Cafeteria table. Jason, I love this one, Jason. So picture we have a cafeteria table, and that cafeteria table has six seats at it. We want to fill those six seats with characters from, oh man, why'd you do that, movies. Movie characters who have made a very big mistake in their movies. So give me one person from out of sight to, to take a seat here. Do, who do you want? You want George Clooney's character? Yeah, let's take Clooney. General? Okay. He so, makes a uh, lot of mistakes. Okay. So Clooney's character from Out of Sight gets a seat. Uh, Tupac as Bishop from Juice gets a seat. That means we have four seats left. Hot we table have already. Four seats left. You get two. I get two. Give me your first one. My first one is going to be Llewellyn Moss from No Country for Old Men. Oh, nice one. Nice one. When he goes back to give the guy water, why would you do that? Why would do, you do what you're are you thinking? Free and, what you're are you out. thinking? You're gone. You're in the wind. Don't go back there. Why would you go back there? Don't do it. Every time I watch that movie, I'm like, Llewellyn, don't do it. What a don't. terrible, terrible mistake on Llewellyn's part. Yeah. Come just, on, Llewellyn. He makes so many mistakes in that yeah, movie. He has a lot of mistakes, folks. Over and over and over again, every single time. Every single time. All right, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm excited for wh wh whoever your next pick is for it to be terrible so we can keep up our, our theme every week of when you give me one <laughs> really bad one. Really bad one. Here's my first one. Are you one. still mad about the bread? I'm mad about every... Uh, I don't even remember. I know there was one on the last one that I did not like. Okay, let me give you my first one. So far at our table... We have Jack Foley from Out of Sight. We have Bishop from Juice. And now we have Llewellyn from No Country for Old Men. That's solid. This is who I want in mind. And I, 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 watch, I remember watching this movie and seeing this mistake get made <laughs> and feeling like an actual and real dread in my stomach because I felt like in that moment, this character was immediately thinking of all of the ways he could have avoided this mistake. And that's really what I'm looking for in one of these all oh, man watch that moments. Uh, I want to have I want to have Jim from Deep Blue Sea. Jim is the scientist who gets his arm Whoa! bitten off. He gets his arm bitten off right after they finish running the tests that show their experiment is working. This like groundbreaking medical experiment. He's going to save the world. He makes like this very cool little quip about like <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson is like, well, I'll be damned. And the, and Jim is like, well, now, now you know what it's like to not be damned. Like he's very much feeling himself. The shark is there and he like leans down next to it and the shark sort of wakes up from its slumber and immediately bites his arm off. And there's just really something unsettling to me about thinking about something biting your arm or your leg off because Ugh. that's a big mistake that you could, you there's like a thousand ways that this could have not happened and you still let this thing happen. I have to give my seat to Jim from Deep Blue Sea. That's my first Deepest, pick. bluest. My hat is like a shark fin. There it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Smart sharks. We're not doing that enough. All right. My, my, <laughs> we're not doing it enough. That is Wait, a genre on. that we're not doing enough of. Do J Jason, do the... Uh, do <laughs> 
<laughs> do the sports radio guy. He's calling in. Okay, okay. And he's, he's mad that we're not doing enough smart sharks. <laughs> hey, Mike, this is his from Marine. Yeah, I just want to talk about the shark movies today. You know, I remember we saw the Meg, which is this uh, movie about this gigantic shark. It's like, a, you know, a shark the size of a dinosaur. We don't need him that big, Mike. Here's the issue. Deep Blue Sea came out in the 90s, and this shark... Here's the thing about this shark, Mike. They're genius sharks, Mike. They're genius sharks. A shark could get in the Yale, could get in a Harvard, but also it's a shark with that thirst for uh, for meat, and it wants to eat your your leg. It wants to eat your arm, but also it has the it has the intellect to get in there and get your body parts. It knows how to do it, Mike. And I gotta ask you, why? Why? What's happened? All the smart shark movies. We had Deep Blue Sea, and that's it. And we haven't had a, a smart shark movie. Since that time, Mike. Yeah, that's, that's all I have to say, Mike. I'm taking my hands off the end. Thank you. This is the dumbest thing. Okay. We, uh, we, have, we have Bishop from Juice at our table. We have Jack Foley from Out of Sight. We have Lou Ellen from No Country for Old Men. We have Jim from Deep Blue Sea. Not enough smart sharks. It's not who's enough. Your, who's your next? Who's your fifth? We have two seats left. You get one. I get one. So this is a, is not a movie about that's based on a mistake, but this is a mistake that happens in a in a movie that I really like. I'll take it. Uh, Private Adrian Caparzo, played by Vin Diesel in Saving Private Ryan, he survives D Day, and early in the mission to find uh, Private Ryan, he gets distracted by this. Uh, young French girl and her family, they're trying to give their daughter away to like literally anyone, any American soldier that is passing by. And Caparzo breaks cover and runs over there and is like, hey, uh, come down. And it promptly gets shot in the chest. What did he think would happen? You're in an active war zone. The Germans are everywhere. What are you going to do with this little girl as everybody in your squad is telling you? What are you going to do? Are you going to take her with us <laughs> deeper into occupied France? Caparzo, think about this for a second, man. What are you doing? That's Dominic Toretto for you. He, and yeah, it is Dom Toretto. He was you. going to find Jesse. He's going to get this little girl. Big heart. Big heart. Big heart, bigger biceps. That's my guy, a Dominic big Toretto. Big bullet through his big <laughs> chest. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised. I, I was almost certain you were going to go with Lady Bird. Oh, that's a great. Yeah, that was my original. So that was my original movie pick. And, yeah. my, and, and that was going to be... My mistake there is Lady Bird losing her virginity to the Timothy Chalamet character. No, but mm -hmm. here's but here's the reason that I didn't. That, while a huge mistake, is also like a really understandable thing from yeah. that stage in your life. Like you just become enamored with a person because they're hot or they have some sort of mystique or they say things that are kind of mysterious that you don't understand. And later on, you get further on into your life and you look back at that and go, what the fuck was that about that was right. so dumb but at the time it makes sense whereas this private caparzo everybody is telling you not to do it in the moment there's bullets whizzing through the air you should just know not to do it and then the and then the consequences are he dies so that's why I <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a big consequence okay we have bishop from juice we have jack foley from out of sight Lou Ellen from No Country for Old Men, Private Caparzo from Saving Private Ryan, Jim from Deep Blue Sea. Before I give you my last one, can I give you two that I was like 
arguing with myself about uh, who, uh, if I should not include them or not. Both of these, I know these are movies that you've seen, so you're going to understand them immediately. But I think one of the all-time great mistakes in a movie, all-time blunders. <laughs> what are you? What are you thinking? I'm screaming at the TV while this is happening because I'm watching this person make this mistake. Ray Jackson fighting in the Kumite. You've got oh, Chong Lee on the ropes. Yes. He's defeated. You've beaten yeah. the guy. You can win. Just, just pound on. him. Knock him off the mat. Do something. You don't do that. You make a mistake. Oh, man, why'd you do that? And now you get your fucking head bashed in by this guy. One of the worst ever. You legitimately you had this guy on the ropes. Like, it was over if you just press your advantage. But then you just got distracted and wanted to floss, and now look at you. What are so you dumb. thinking? Ray Jackson. I, I, he makes me so mad that I didn't even want to include him on the table in my picks. I'm like, I'm, I can't reward that sort of behavior. So I, I got off to the finish line, and I threw him out. Here's the other guy that I threw out. Uh, Lee from Manchester by the Sea. Totally different type of mistake. Oh man! He didn't put the he didn't put the screen on the fireplace. He didn't put the screen on the fireplace. A log rolls out, sets his house on fire, and it kills his three kids. What a terrible! What a what a horrible! This is like we were talking about this earlier. I listened to the big picture. Sean Fennessy was talking about Manchester by the Sea, and he teased it a little bit, and he was like, there's a character, and he does a really bad, he like has this really terrible mistake that he's running from, and it's a, it's a really good movie, and I went to go watch it, and it was I was so mad afterward that I had to watch that terrible thing happen. What a mistake. That's a, that's a top-level mistake. That's not even like a understandable one. To me, it's no. like you got the fireplace, like you make sure the logs don't roll out. That's just like what you do. That's the what are you step, doing? Step number one. That's he's the step. Like, he's like You're drunk not in and a, high he wasn't on, in, on cocaine. He wasn't in a yeah, and he wasn't in a rush or anything. You know, he's just like home doing stuff. Just went for a walk to the corner yeah. store at three in the morning. Come on. And oh my God. Oh, that was so bad. But I don't want to include him here at the cafeteria table because he's a bit of a bummer. It's interesting to talk to the guy whose arm got bit off by the great white shark. That was super smart. Yeah. You know, but smart I shark. But I, <laughs> Tell us about the smart sharks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a conversation I want to have. I don't want to talk to Lee from Manchester by the Sea. And he's just like, well, yeah, no. I don't, I don't want to try to. I don't want to do that. Okay. My last pick. My last pick. Another Hall of Famer. I got to have him. I got to have my guy Ricky from Boys in the Hood. Nice. Oh, man. Yes. Why'd you do that? Why did you run in a straight line, Ricky? Yeah. The Come on, bullets, you got zig. Bullets go straight, zig, zag, do so. You're telling me, you're telling me you're one of the most highly recruited running backs in the nation and you don't know to fucking bury Sanders your way out of the situation? You got to juke that bullet. It's the same mistake that Charlize Theron makes in Prometheus. The thing <laughs> is crashing down and she just fucking runs in a straight line and like just go no. to the side. The other, who, uh, who's the, the, the other character like rolls out of the way. It's like not yeah. even a problem. Fucking Charlie. You know, who he, it's the Rick on Stark in Game of Thrones issue, too. And that one was worse <laughs> because it was an arrow. Yeah. Like they're shooting arrows at you. Just like run, look back, look at the arrow in the air and go the go and move. It's like, <laughs> you know, who would have made it out of both of those situations alive? My guy Jaguar Paul from Apocalypto. Remember, have you seen this movie? Yeah, yes. And they like put him on that field and he's got to like run to the, the the end of it and they're like throwing shit at him. And he knows immediately, zigzag, zigzag. Like he knows what he's doing. He would have made it out. Anyway, these are our, these are our six. 
Steve, give me one line from each, just like we always do. This is my this is my favorite part of the podcast. Give me one line from Bishop from Juice. I am crazy, but you know what else? I don't give a fuck. Awesome. Give me one line from Jack Foley. You look at each other, and for a few seconds, there's this kind of a, a recognition. Like you both know something. The next moment, the person is gone, and it's too late to do anything about it. Give me one line from Lou Ellen from No Country for Old Men. Yeah, I'm going to bring you something, all right? Decided to make you a special project of mine. You ain't going to have to come look for me at all. Private Caparzo and Saving Private Ryan. Captain, the decent thing to do is to at least take you down the road to the next town. Ricky from Boys in the Hood. Well, actually, I was thinking about majoring in business. Yeah, I got this friend named Trey who's always talking about going into business and all. And let's do, oh, we don't have like a bad pick that Jason <laughs> made this week. So I, I love guess it. I don't know. We don't need, we don't need <laughs> hype for the bad pick. We, do, we, don't, we don't need the bad hype pick. I guess just no. give me the normal line. Jim from Deep Blue Sea. Okay. For 6.560 seconds, you saw what it's like not to be down. <laughs> <laughs> Underwhelming. <laughs> Next category. The move that we could pull off. We will ask each other questions about moves that occur with our respective movies and ask whether our co-host could accomplish those moves. Number one, could you rob a store? No, I could not rob a store. I don't have the guts to rob a store. That's a terrifying thought. It's I could not do it either. And also, I think maybe you could have talked me into this at, at like 17. I couldn't have done it. I was a pussy. I was big, <laughs> the biggest pussy there were us. Somebody could have talked me into it at that age. When, when, I, when I left for school, Jason... At the time, I think there were like 11 people living in my house, like a little three-bedroom, $40,000 house. And said, you probably could have talked me into it then. But right now, as an adult, it just you're going to get, what, $200? Oh, it's, Maybe. Like you, could, you could make that or and you risk going to prison for several years. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it. When I worked at the convenience store, when your till was like over 200 you had to drop the extra into the safe. So there was uh -huh. never more than two. And then you go four ways. That's like nothing. Yeah. Um, 50 bucks. Could you DJ in a DJ contest? <laughs> I could not DJ in a DJ contest. Could I, you DJ at all? I No, listen, one time when I lived in Houston and I was writing about uh, music all of the time, um, there was like a, a bar and they reached out and they were like, hey, we do like a guest DJ set once a week, you come out, you play some records, we pay you 200 bucks. Do you want to do it? And I was like, 200 bucks? Def that's 10 blog posts. I'm making $20 a blog post. I'll go, <laughs> I, will go, I will go DJ. And what I did is I went out there and I had one record. It was an Al Green record. And I just put it on and let it play the whole time. There were no like transitions or anything. I just waited until it got to the end of the record. And then I restarted it. And I did that for two hours. And they were not super excited about it at all. I could not, I could not DJ. I don't have, yeah, no, thank you. Could you keep your mouth shut when you were interrogated? <laughs> we already went police? over this. I we know, but I just, we just want to reiterate. <laughs> no, no, I could not. I'm, I'm telling. Right, so we'll, we'll, we'll can't, that telling. one doesn't count. That I'm one telling. Count. Me and still, I'm telling. <laughs> Let's say you're running from danger. Could you? leap across an open gap between two buildings. Okay, this is a question I wanted to ask you, not if you could do this, but like what is the distance between the buildings? Because it's hard to tell on the movie. 
But like in in general, in New York, is this like a 20-foot jump? The way they shot it, it looked like it was maybe 12 feet, but that one rooftop was a little lower. The one they were going to was a little lower so that I could see theoretically you could do it. The rooftops are usually are often pretty close together. There's not a lot of alleys, despite like what you've seen in movies. There's not a lot of alleys in New York. Okay. So usually you can run from rooftop to rooftop. But this one, I have questions about whether you'd be able, anyone would be able to just jump that. I could, I could jump 12 foot, a 12 foot gap. And I'm going down lower. So really like, it's probably like nine feet because you're going to fall the, the rest of them. I think I could do that one. Sign me up for that one. Could you buy a gun from a criminal <laughs> establishment? Not, obviously you live in Texas. You can legally walk I can go into- to, like, I can go to Walmart across the street right into, now. Yeah. Can I have that shotgun? And they're like, yeah, here you yeah. go. Could you buy a illegal gun from a criminal establishment? If you had to, if you felt like you you needed to uh, protect your life. I think like technically I could hand somebody money and they could give me the gun. But what what would trip me up here is I couldn't find this person to conduct this transit. I don't know where that, where that is. I don't have like the connects to that, to the crime world. That's what gets me there. So no. And finally, you've been chased. You've had to buy a gun in a criminal establishment to protect your life from this person that is hunting you. Who you were once friends with. Could you then throw the gun away before the final meeting with your antagonist? No. I'm I'm gonna take the gun. <laughs> Me and you have had a we've had a falling out and you've murdered. I've already I've already murdered two people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna show up to our meeting with the gun. I'm I would show up to a fucking Zoom with a gun at that point. There's no, there's no, there's no way I'm throwing the gun away. I'm I, I don't have um enough integrity. I love the, when they get in a fight on the rooftop at the very end, this yeah. is like a, one of my favorite, like super sub genres of movies is when people get in fights on rooftops. I just <laughs> I think know. It's, it's my second favorite one. My first favorite one is in Jason takes Manhattan and Jason and the, and the guy, <laughs> the boxer, they get in a boxing match on a rooftop. Uh, those are my two favorite New York rooftop fight scenes. Wait, let me give you one more extra credit. Cause this is one I genuinely want to know. Could high school Shay date a divorced woman? <laughs> this is another thing I wanted to ask about. <laughs> because because I have a, there's like a, we're in some gray territory here. Yeah, we are. He could possibly be 18. Maybe possibly. 19 if he like failed Maybe grade. 19. Sure. Maybe. But in all likelihood, he's 17 or 18 years old. But he's still a high school kid. And this woman was married at some point, is like in the middle of getting a divorce, possibly Kicking already the divorced. guy out of the house, like in the middle of them about to have a date. I don't think I could pull that one off. I could, in the, I could barely get high school girls to talk to me. There's no way I'm going to get a, a grown woman to talk to, to talk to me at 17, 18 years old. I don't stand a chance. Let me ask you yours from out of sight. Yeah, yeah let's go. These are the ones. And they're both starting off similar. Could you rob a bank? Could you do that? I think that I have I have the knowledge to rob a bank. Let me put it that way. <laughs> you Let me don't. just first no, you I, don't. I do. All my knowledge about <laughs> robbing banks is based on movies like Out of yeah. Sight, The Town. I know don't leave the bottom bill in because that will trigger the alarm. Don't give me the die pack. <laughs> 
I know all that kind of stuff. I know that they're, if you just hand them the note, they're supposed to give you the money and then you can just leave. That being said, no, I'm not, I could not rob a bank. It would have, things would have to get pretty bad for me to rob a bank, but no, I could not rob a bank. <laughs> I've never even thought about robbing a bank. I have thought about robbing a bank. I have. It's just like a fun exercise to think about. I will. Yeah, I've mentally I've thought like, could I rob a bank? But like if I've actually ever considered, could I walk into a bank and stick the place up? No, I did almost. I, I walked one time I walked into this convenience. It was like 10 o'clock at night. This was in like Providence, Rhode Island, where everything closes. And I lived across the street from this convenience store and I walked in there and I guess they didn't lock the door or whatever. And the light was and so I just walked in and I'm walking around in there and then I'm hearing this like bing, 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 bing. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And then I noticed that nobody else is in the store. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. So I go, I leave, <laughs> I walk right back across the street and sit on my porch and like. A minute and 15 seconds later, like three squad cars. <laughs> and I was like, nah, I'm, no, I'm going to, I'm going to bed. Good night. So just, just cause I, I would just want to keep score here. You, you embezzled money from the movie theater. You broke into allegedly. a convenience store. Allegedly. You allegedly embezzled money. You allegedly broke into a convenience store. The door was open. And we are still to believe that you did not eat the burrito. That's what you're telling me. I didn't me. eat it. I'm telling you, I did not eat it. I the, I did. Here's what I ate from there. I ate this weird cheeseburger <laughs> wrap that they had, but I logged that. I put that in my log. This burrito thing didn't happen, folks. It's going to haunt I you am in a, forever. Could you escape from prison? I think I could do it. Jeez. I think I have that kind of mind. <laughs> I have that kind of mind. You keep where saying I would just you be, <laughs> <laughs> all day, I would just be like, there's got to be a way at, there's got to be a way out of here. Like, I just will, be, I will just search high and low looking in my cell for every weak point, And I will just think about it nonstop until I get out of there. I like, I think about the people who have escaped. I, I feel like I'm smarter than a lot of them. I think I could do it. <laughs> I could drill into a pipe and wriggle through a pipe. To freedom, I could do that. There's no way you could escape from a prison. What are you talking about? I think I could do it. As long as I'm uh, given enough space to like concentrate on it and people aren't, my fellow prisoners aren't bothering me. That's one thing, uh, that's one thing prison is known for is like all of the free time and the personal <laughs> space you're allowed. Yeah, you should, <laughs> you should be fine. You should be fine. What's going to happen? This is exactly what's going to happen. They put you in prison. This is like an experiment. They're like, Jason, we're putting you undercover. You're going into prison. You haven't committed any crimes, but nobody knows that. Everybody thinks you robbed a bank. And you're in prison for four years, and you have to try to get out. You're going to go in there like really excited that you're going to break out of this prison. And then like- Four years, I'm just sticking it out. If it's like 10 to 15, now I'm thinking. Now I'm thinking about it. And you're like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to carve through this wall like Andy Dufresne. And then it's, it's not going to work in 10 seconds. And you're going to be like, fuck, I'm trapped in here forever. I'm going to go like through a grate. I'm going to cut through the wall like Andy <laughs> Dufresne. Yes. And then I'm going to make like some kind of clay thing that looks just like the grate. I'm going to put the dummy in the bed. That's going to be the best part. I love shit like that where you put a fake dummy in the bed. And then <laughs> okay. Fool you're gonna people. Fight. You think you're going to Ferris Bueller your way out of prison? 100%. And then <laughs> I've been watching Alone. I've been watching Survivor Man. I've been watching Bear Grylls. I've been watching those shows for years. I 
understand how to survive in the wilderness, Shay. This is prison. This is not a- Because once I'm out of the- No, because the prison, once I'm out of the walls, now I'm like in the woods and I'm just heading like for the Canadian border. Okay, so so far, could you rob a bank? You said yes, I think no. Could you escape from prison? You think yes, I think no. I think I could. I This one, I'm going to think no. And I mean, I'm going to think yes on this one. Could you accidentally shoot yourself like the guy on the stairs? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, yes. Listen, <laughs> okay. I'd like, I think I definitely could. I, I mean, I have, I've said on this pod, like I've, I've shot guns a, a couple times and I don't like holding the gun. I don't like it. It's, uh, it feels bad. I, it's too much power in my hand. I don't like it. I don't like it. (laughs) Get it away. (laughs) And I'm, and it's weighty. And I'm just thinking of all the things that could possibly go wrong. And I want it out of my hand as quickly as possible. So yes, absolutely. I could accidentally shoot myself with a gun. I love to think about like somebody handing you a gun and you feel the weight of it in your hand and you just go, ew. And then, I, then don't, I didn't it, like it. And then you give it back. The guy who w- refuses to hold a gun could rob a bank and escape from a prison. And no, thank you. Could you fall for the wrong person as George Clooney and Jennifer yeah, Lopez? Who, who hasn't fallen for the wrong person at some time in their life? I just wanted to include one in here that I knew you could say yes. Yeah, the other one. And the last one, uh, could you sacrifice yourself to save a friend? Like what George Clooney does with being Rames? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I could do that. To the level of like, I'm going back to jail. Well, he thinks he's going in there to die. He's like, I'm, right. I'm either going to die or escape. There's no, there's no jail option here. It, it would have to depend on the circumstances. Like, it would, let's say it was you and you, like the <laughs> twins are the twins. Everything's going right for the twins. They've been accepted to some like to some great college, and you just really want to see them do that. And everything's going great. The new whatever latest book you've just put in is about to be published and everybody knows it's hit. You have so much going on for you. And I would just be like, all right, fine. I guess I'll just go in there and just get shot by the, I'll just go in there and get shot by Jennifer Lopez and then you get out of here. I would do that for you. For the record, I would not do that for you. Like not even, a little. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even consider the thought. I would not even consider that. Next category. Here it is. The connection contest, folks. Yes. Yes. In this category, Shay and I compete to see who can list the most connections between these two movies. Shay, are you ready? I am ready to go. I've got a list 47 entries long. I'm good. Everybody ready? I'm Steve, ready. are you ready? Ready. Let's do it. Both movies feature bit parts played by Sam Jackson. Well, that was the first one I had on my list, too. Yeah, I needed to get it out of there. <laughs> I knew you had it too. I needed to get it off the board. Both movies include at least one robbery. Both movies feature plots in which a character goads the others into crime. Both movies have a part where two guys fight and then they try to grab a gun. I'm on it. I'm on it. Both movies have a character who is much more violent than the people he rolls with. Both movies have scenes that take place on a basketball court. Mm. Let's fucking go, baby. Let's go, Jason. Both movies have scenes in which someone is shockingly shot in the head. All right, that's fair. Both movies have uh, scenes where a vase gets broken. Did you catch that one? Did you catch that one? Did you catch that one? (laughs) Damn. Did you catch that one? Okay. (laughs) Both movies feature stars who would later go on to have successful music careers. Both movies have people who make very poor choices in love. And I'm talking about the woman who dates the high school kid. 
Steve? Steven? That's Steven? A, that's good. That, I'm fucking, I'm going to throw a fit. <laughs> no, no. Potential underage situation, yes. That's a bad thing. Okay, okay. Thank yeah, you. Right, right, Ding. Right, right. Yes. <laughs> In both movies, the heroes throw their gun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Steve, I'm throwing a card. Is no, this they, good? No, they or? do throw their okay. guns. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. They do. Bo- both movies have scenes where a guy unsuccessfully hits on a woman. Oh, okay. Give it to okay. me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Both movies feature scenes in which the word pee-pee is used as a reference to the male genitals. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Okay. We're, we're going for it. <laughs> the, the shopkeeper in Juice, when he comes mm-hmm. out with the gun. Mm-hmm. I shoot you in the pee-pee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Louis Guzma and Chino, played by Louis Guzman, <laughs> who, who gets thrown to the ground and says, I ain't me pee-pee. What a, what a, <laughs> that's truly impressive. What a catch. Both movies have scenes in cities that have NBA teams that beat the Lakers in the finals. Let's go, <laughs> baby. Ding! Steven! Okay, all right. This is... That's true. <laughs> Detroit, 1989 NBA Finals. The Knicks, Wait. 1970 NBA Finals. No, okay. Okay, yes. Steven? Thank you. Ding! D- Give me the oh ding! God, all right, all Steven. Right. Both, both movies feature scenes in which the main characters are in elevators with bystanders. <laughs> Come Bo- on! Both movies have scenes where a law enforcement officer gets outsmarted. The, I'm, hold, okay. I'm holding on tight. I'm holding on tight right now. Both movies feature contests that happen in clubs. Boxing in Out of Sight oh and a DJ God. contest in Juice. No, no, no. What are you What are you talking about? There's an amateur box. You're just saying things now. Oh, bo- uh, both movies have scenes where they're, they're in, there's a bed. You had the fictional teams beating You're the Lakers. Right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I fucking hate this game. Give me the buzzer. <laughs> I'm protesting again. Give me the buzzer. I gave you the ding, and then Jason keeps going, and you get mad. Stop talking, Steve. Steve, I'm not even looking at the screen. I'm going to look over here. I'm like the bad kid in class right now demanding that I get detention. This is awful. Please play the clip from Juice where the shopkeeper yells, I'm going to shoot you in the pee-pee. <laughs> I'm going to shoot your pee-pee off, man. Next category. Next category. This category is called Steve Almond is a Cheater. Where we, talk, <laughs> where, we talk about, where we talk about how Steve has consistently cheated me in the connection contest. This category is called I'm Good With It. Jason, this is the easiest category. It's the fastest one. How do you feel about the state of Oh man, why'd you do that movies? Would you watch more of them or are you good? Oh, I do. I mean, I, I I love movies like this. I love stories that are based on mistakes. Who in their life has not made Oof. a terrible mistake that they wish they could take back? Everyone. Steve Allman just made one right now. <laughs> I'm really going to need a security detail at the end of this season. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, like making mistakes is and regretting them deeply and trying to cover them up and then eventually coming clean about them. Those are part of the human experience. I love movies like this. What about you, Shay? Yeah, I'm with you. I really like to watch a movie and watch somebody make a mistake. And then I like 
part of me feels like smarter than them that I didn't make yes. that mistake. The, ah. the, wor- the worst is when you watch a movie and somebody makes a mistake that you've made and you're just like, oh, oh God, yes. like, I, I got to just sit down and be quiet for this. For this. <laughs> like, oh, this sucks. This sucks a lot. I hate this. Next category, special acknowledgments. This is where we take a detail that we particularly like from our particular movies and we talk about them. Shay? From Juice, I have a few of them. There's a line in here that Q has. This is after Tupac has gone crazy and Q is really jumpy and his like older girlfriend startles him and he Mm -hmm. freaks out and he says something along the lines of, didn't your mom ever teach you to make yourself known before you enter a room? And for some reason, that is just like (laughs) the best. That's just such a great thing. That part right there reminds you that we're talking about a 17-year-old kid here, like that, like that's the powerful force in his in his life. I really enjoy that. Give me one from oh. Out of Sight. I've had some Out of Sight ones too, also. Uh, yeah, I've got a bunch from from Out of Sight. Steve Zahn's performance is so weird and off kilter, and I just love it. He's wonderful. The part where they are outside uh, in the prison yard discussing life and discussing Dick the Ripper's uh, potential fortune, where. <laughs> Where uh, Glenn's character is like bench pressing, yeah. takes the bench press down, and then he no one is spotting for him. And he's just like, help it. Yeah. And he's like, almost gets crushed. They have to run over there, pull the bar off of him. And then he continues to talk about Dick the Ripper and, and how much money he has. And he's going down the, yeah, the dumbbell weights. rack. <laughs> Trying to find one he can pick like, up. <laughs> it's such like a comic masterpiece is like psych gag after psych. He picks up, he tries to pick up the first one and yanks at it. It goes nowhere. And then finally he gets to one that he could do. And he just kind of like holds it. He doesn't do anything with it. Steve's on. What a wonderful performance. Excellent. I feel the same way about Albert Brooks in oh, yeah. Out of Sight. Like I've never been disappointed that Albert Brooks was in a movie. He's just, he's an incredible voice. He just starts talking. You're like, I want to hear, I want to hear more of that. Uh, um, a little one in out of sight that I don't know if you could see this in the theater or if it's like only you can see it now because you could watch it in HD. But the top of George Clooney's hairline, they like shaved it and pushed it back a little bit. And so he's got like stubble up there the whole time. You could see it all of the time. Wow. I don't know. Did you did you did you notice I did this not while you were watching? That. It looks so weird. It looks like chin stubble, but it's up here. I wanted to make sure I wasn't like making this up and I went on the internet to read about it. And the director was saying they were trying to make him look a little bit older because the character is older in the book. So they push it back a bit, but it just looks so strange every single time. It's like a close up and this incredibly handsome man. And then there's like weird gray stripe across the top of his head. Do you have a juice one? I love how good the DJ scenes are. Mm-hmm. Like they are very, very credible. I'm a fan of movies in which any character like plays music. And I, and I love like ranking like how good people are at faking like Sean Penn in Sweden Lowdown, I think probably one of the worst guitar faking uh, scenes I've ever seen. Uh, Ralph Macchio in Crossroads, one of the better faking I've ever seen, like looks credible. Um, That thing you do, everybody is really good and looks like they can really play. And Omar Epps seems like he can really DJ in this movie. Like he's, very, he's using the good. fader correctly. He, he He's going back to the arm and resetting it every time he does like a scratch or pulls out a sample. He, it's just one of the really perfect touches. Like you believe, oh, this guy could win a DJ contest. Yeah, for real. The, uh, the thing that I really like about Juice, my favorite scene, and I think what has probably like gone on to be the iconic scene in the movie 
is when Q has gone back to school and he's like trying to get his locker open and he finally gets it open and the camera just sort of sits on them and then it's like shifts a little to the right and we just are watching Q like do his locker stuff and then finally he closes it and then there's Bishop who, dun, he's, been dun, dun, yeah. who he's been hiding from at this point for a few days. Like all these years later, it's st- that's still just such a powerful, that's a powerful like image to see him standing there because he's got that look in his face like, like he's just fucking fed up and it's great. But Tupac giving that monologue right there where he he explains he believes he's not shit and he won't ever be shit. And like as a kid or or even as a young man, when you watch that scene, part of you is like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's it's like kind of empowering, but it's only empowering because you actually like have no idea what it's talking about. Because when you get older, you realize how exactly heartbreaking this moment is. Like he's he's 17 by then. And he has already felt like some real despair in his bones. Like he's already been made to feel like his life is worthless. He understands so much about the world in that moment, about the way that everything is sort of tilted against him. And it really has him twisted up. And I would guess like that's probably part of the reason that Juice has had the staying power that it's had for these 30 or so years because of how well the movie captures that feeling right there, you know? That scene has always reminded me of the scene from season four of The Wire when Naaman and Michael. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the little little kid. He's like, get your pack off of him. Yeah. And I remember at the time, my initial reaction, just like you are when you're a kid and you watch and you watch Juice and you feel empowered by the scene. I remember being like, and what the fuck is wrong with you? You got to like. And then all of a sudden I caught myself. Because, you know, at that point, I'm like, oh, I'm older, certainly, than, than when I watched Juice. And I caught myself and I was like, well, this is what you want him to do. You want him to not hurt yeah. this person and yeah. commit a murder. And that and that's when I was like, man, that is great storytelling, where you put an audience in a person's shoes and make them understand why they would do something and even question what they would, what they themselves would do in that situation. Uh, I love that scene too. Yeah. Because Um, so you watch that and like Tupac is very much in this moment. Bishop is anyway, in that like family of, I don't give a fuck movie characters. Like that's literally a line that he says in the movie, but he feels so much more compelling and like rich and complicated because if you take any of those other characters, like, uh, like, Jim in the town. We you mentioned the town earlier, or or Pesci and Goodfellas. Like those guys also don't give a fuck. But mostly they only ever take it out on people that we as the audience can like easily identify as their enemies. With Bishop, number one, he's a kid. Uh, so that's part of it. But number two, his acts of aggression, his attacks are oftentimes aimed at the people who we are like told he cares the most about and who care the most about him and just want him to be better. And it's just so fucking gut-wrenching just shout out Tupac what a performance what a performance what great writing what great directing just I love this movie two more quick ones from out of sight the first is that Michael Keaton reprises his role as Ray Nicolette which he uh which is a character he (laughs) plays in Jackie Brown yeah Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown one Uh of the weirdest nuggets in movie history is that Michael Keaton plays the same character in two Unrelated movies, although they were both uh, based on novels by Elmer Leonard. Yeah. And then the second is, I love scenes in which people team up. People who are antagonists are then faced with a with another threat, and they, for a moment, team up because they have there's a code of staying unified in the face of an outside threat. And that scene is 
Snoopy is shaking down Dick the Ripper in the library and George Clooney, Jack Foley, is like, (laughs) this is the dumbest shakedown ever, blah, 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 blah. And he takes out uh, Snoopy's henchman and Snoopy is about to step up and and they're about to fight. And then another, (laughs) another prisoner is like, yo, the guards are coming. And so the book that Clooney is about to hit Snoopy with, he kind of just like flips it open and then they both like stand together as if they were yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Don Cheadle gives this incredible line. The, the guard comes up and is like, what the fuck's going on? And <laughs> Snoopy says, uh, <clears throat> nothing, you know, just reading this fundamentalist shit. We just got all excited and everything. <laughs> scene makes me laugh every time. I love that scene. That's, that's beautiful. Last category, the Here Rodriguez. I'm so excited. Every episode ends with the Rodriguez, Jason. You love Michelle Rodriguez. I love Michelle Rodriguez. So each week we have to figure out how to connect our movie to Michelle in as few steps as possible. It's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, except but better because it's Michelle Rodriguez and not Kevin Bacon. There's no way I'm losing this. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm I'm slightly embarrassed for you already because I have what can only be considered the greatest connection that we've made so okay, far. Okay, so I'll go first. I, you go first. I can. I have it in two. Okay, go. I can do it in less than two. Oh, man. Jeez. All right. Uh, Soderbergh directed Haywire, starring Gina Carano, who is in Fast and the Furious 6 and actually fights Michelle Rodriguez in that film. Mm-hmm. Haywire, by the way, underrated. Here's a take. Haywire should be considered the pre-John Wick. <laughs> Give me is your it, Rodriguez moves. Is that is that your best one, Jason? That's is that my the best one? Is the there a better one? one than that's a I'm so and, to, yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. I'm so glad because I'm about to spike the football. Then I scored a touchdown. This is fucking Gronk Gronk style because I'm gonna do your I'm gonna do your movie in one move. I'm gonna do my movie in one move. I'm gonna do my what? movie in in less than one move. Okay. Here we All go. Right. You mentioned earlier that Viola Davis has a quick cameo in Out of Sight. Yes, she does. Viola oh. Davis is also in Widows, also in Widows with Michelle Rodriguez. Good one. Boom, Good let's one. go. I could do Good it again. I could do it Good again. One. I could do it again. If you were a real Michelle Rodriguez fan, as I am, you would own a copy of Girl Fight on DVD. And if you did, you would, know, you would know that Paul Calderon is in Out of Sight and he's also in Girl Fight with Michelle Rodriguez. One more. Boom! I don't know. I need some explosions here, Steve. I need everything that you can. That and I haven't even done my movie yet. Here we go. Here we go. My guy Sam Jackson. My guy Sam Jackson with a cameo in Juice. Same as Out of Sight. He's in SWAT with Michelle Rodriguez. He's the leader of the team. Yeah. Wow. With Michelle Rodriguez. Boom! Another explosion, Steve. One more explosion, Steve. A third explosion. Here we go, though. This is the. This is this right now is going wow, to go he's, down. Wow. He's he's going. I'm I'm fucking I'm mad at that y'all cheated me last time. So this is it. This is the greatest. This is less than one move. This is less than one move. And I'm gonna You gotta put the you gotta put the NBA jams. He's on fire. He's on fire! (laughs) He's on fire. Boom shakalaka! Yeah. Give it to me. Give it, give me all of it. Give me give me all of it. Okay. Here it is. Here it is. Y'all ready for this? During the press run for Fate of the Furious. Oh god. No, if you could do the video game thing from the last... No, well, that's... All right, fine. Okay. Listen, because this is this has never happened before. During the press run for The Fate of the Furious, the radio station, Hot 97, the biggest radio station perhaps in the country, sent a correspondent to the red carpet to ask questions. And the guy asked Michelle Rodriguez 
If you could pick any two rappers in the history of rap, there are billions of rappers. You could pick any two of them to battle. Who would you pick? And she said, Tupac and Biggie. And then he said, who would win? And she said, Tupac. And Tupac is the star of Juice. Tupac's name came out of Michelle Rodriguez's mouth. That's That's less than one move. Steve, give me the championship belt. Give me the the championship (laughs) belt. I need all of the special effects here. You've already won, but that that one does not that one does not count. But you've already won. <laughs> Say you won. You have established your victory this day on the Rodriguez. Let's go! Let's go! Give it to me. Good job. I I, I have to bow down to you. That was you. You crushed me on that one. I you was did. ready. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, that's all for today. On behalf of myself. Shay, Super Producer Steve Allman, and everyone at The Ringer, we hope you're staying safe and healthy. Join us next week when our theme is Mean Mentors. It's The Devil Wears Prada and Whiplash. Steve's a cheater. Jack Foley and Karen Sisko are together in the getaway car driven by Jack's friend Buddy as they escape from the Glades Correctional Facility in Florida. I'm so excited for this. You know, this isn't going to end well. These things never do. Yeah, well, if it turns out I get shot like a dog, they'll be in the street, not off a goddamn fence. You must see yourself as some kind of Clyde Barrow. Oh, you mean from Bonnie and Clyde? <laughs> Is that the whole thing? That Is that the whole thing? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs>